0: Grossluge is German for big lie, a propaganda technique where the truth is wildly distorted and reported with such force that people just can't conceive that it wouldn't be true, that people could be so audacious as to lie with such magnitude. The belief that Donald Trump won the 2020 presidential election has been labeled the big lie. But the term big lie originally appeared in Adolf Hitler's book, Mein Kampf. Hitler falsely accused the Jews of the big lie by claiming the Jews blamed the loss of World War I on a certain German general. Not only did that amplify anti-Semitism in Uh, Europe, or in, in, yeah, pretty much in Europe, but it it became justification then for the Holocaust. And ironically, the Nazis used big lie propaganda themselves to spread the lie that the Jews started World War II as a war of extermination against Germany. Astoundingly, Nazi big lie propaganda questioned, or positioned the Holocaust rather, as self-defense. One historian notes, quote, the Nazis had convinced themselves that they were fighting a war in defense of the German race that the Jews had forced upon them. This was a lie perceived as truth by people who needed justification for murder, end quote. People needed a way to justify brutality, so they sought justification in deceit and defamation. Hitler and the Nazis played to people's carnal desires, fear, ethnic and national pride, self-interest, and self-preservation. Hitler used deceit and defamation masterfully to lead Germany and Europe, really to unite them. And, And countless people found security and confidence in lies. Isaiah 28 talks about people finding refuge in lies and shelter in falsehood. In 1943, Walter C. Langer wrote a classified piece titled A Psychological Analysis of Adolf Hitler, His Life and Legend, in which he said something very telling of Hitler. Quote, his primary rules were never allow the public to cool off, never admit a fault or wrong. Never concede that there may be some good in your enemy. Never leave room for alternatives. Never accept blame. Concentrate on one enemy at a time and blame him for everything that goes wrong. People will believe a big lie sooner than a little one. And if you repeat it frequently enough, people will sooner or later believe it. Now that's the idea behind the big lie. People will believe a big lie Sooner than a little one, and if you repeat it frequently enough, people will sooner or later believe it. And the more people believe a big lie, the more disagreeable the truth becomes. And the higher the cost becomes for believing and speaking the truth. Darwinism and atheism are two big examples of the big lie. People exchange the truth for a lie because they prefer the lie. What led to the atrocities of the Nazis? Well... We could say hatred or pride or prejudice or lust. We could even say deceit and defamation. But couldn't we say that the atrocities of Nazi Germany happened because of a hatred of the truth? Every lie, even so-called little white lies, every bit of juicy gossip is an attack on the truth, is indeed hatred of the truth. What makes a truthful person? What makes a truthful person love of the truth? Love of the truth. A truthful person seeks the truth because they want to know the truth. A truthful person believes the truth because they are convinced of the truth. A truthful person loves the truth even when it's inconvenient, costly, and painful because they understand the value and benefit of the truth. Proverbs 23, 23 says, buy truth and do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. You buy what you need. You buy what you want. And scripture says, buy truth. People who love the truth, they tell the truth. When someone really loves the truth, they seek and believe it and will not not often drift from it. When you love the truth, You love God and others by telling the truth. When you seek, believe, and love the truth, you will will find great value and benefit in the Ten Commandments teaching you what bad things to avoid and what good things to pursue. Seeking, believing, and loving the truth will help you understand why the bad things are bad things and why the good things are good things. Seek, believe, and love the truth And you will not begrudge God for his law. You'll cherish his law. Heidelberg Catechism 112 succinctly explains both sides of the ninth commandment. It first addresses what to put off, uh, what truth lovers don't want to do. I must not give false testimony against anyone, twist no one's words, not gossip or slander nor condemn or join in condemning anyone rashly and unheard. Rather, I must avoid all lying and deceit, as the devil's own works under penalty of God's heavy wrath. Brothers and sisters, we don't want to identify with Satan by doing those evil and hurtful things. That was last week. Heidelberg 112 also explains what we ought to put on, what truth lovers want to do, what truth lovers Love to do. It continues. In court and everywhere else, I must love the truth, speak and confess it honestly, and do what I can to defend and promote my neighbor's honor and reputation. These are good things. Truth lovers love the truth, and want to speak and confess it honestly and do whatever they can to defend and promote their neighbor's honor and reputation. Zacharias or Sinus said, quote, if you will be true, love to learn and speak the truth. He alone is true who speaks and loves the truth and has a desire to promote it for the glory of God and the safety of his fellow men, end quote. So don't you want to be honest, Uh, trustworthy, reliable, and and a loving person, a truly loving person, then you must love to learn and speak the truth and desire to promote and protect the honor and reputation of other saints. You have been redeemed by Christ to be honest, trustworthy, reliable, and loving. Never forget, love does not rejoice at wrongdoing. What does it rejoice in? But rejoices with the truth, the truth. So I'm arguing that the heart of the ninth commandment is love of the truth. Obedience to the ninth is more than don't lie, don't slander, don't gossip. It's, it's, it's so much more than that. That's all True. But that's incomplete. Obedience to the ninth is also love the truth. Love the truth. So much so that you seek it, believe it, establish it, preserve it, promote it, speak it, value it, and benefit from it. The gospel does more than pull you away from that which is bad. The gospel also compels you toward that which is good. Can we understand the goodness of the ninth? without first understanding the goodness of God, who is God and what is he like? Who is God and what is he like? God is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is living, infinite in being and perfection, immutable, eternal, incomprehensible, almighty, wise, holy, free, absolute, and true. As the Athanasian Creed says, The divinity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is one, the glory equal, the majesty co-eternal. None in this trinity is before or after, none is greater or smaller. In their entirety, the three persons are co-eternal and co-equal with each other. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are the one true God, the great I Am, the covenant-making and covenant-keeping divine. And for God to be holy, for God to be trustworthy, He must be truth Himself. Twice in Isaiah 65, verse 16, Isaiah refers to God as the God of truth. In 1 John 5.20, the apostle John refers to God as him who is true and says of Jesus Christ, he is the true God and eternal life. Jesus made the claim, I am the truth. In Ephesians 4.21, Paul teaches that the truth is in Jesus. We just celebrated Christmas, and so These words might be fresh. John's words might be be sounding in our ears. And the word became flesh and dwelled among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. In the upper room, Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as helper. Helper and the spirit of truth. Jesus comforted his disciples telling them that the spirit of truth dwelt within them and would be with them. He heartened his disciples by saying these words, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak on his own authority but whatever he hears he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Do you understand that the spirit of truth came and guided them into all the truth? John later said in 1 John 5, 6 that the spirit is the truth. Within God, there is no falsehood. Therefore, if we make the connection here, God's words, God's laws, God's decrees, and God's rules are all true. God says in Isaiah 45, 19, I, Yahweh, speak the truth. I declare what is right. God is the truth. So God speaks the truth. Psalm 119 says of God, your righteousness is righteous forever and your law is true. The sum of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous rules endures forever. My tongue will sing of your word for all your commandments are right. These precious words tell us the truthfulness and trustworthiness of our God. In John 8, Jesus contrasts himself with Satan. Jesus describes the devil as a murderer who does not stand in the truth because no truth is in him. And the father of lies who speaks lies out of his deceitful character, Jesus then said of himself, I tell the truth. See, Jesus also speaks out of his character. Now, why would you say, why do you think Jesus came to earth? That's a huge question. We must know this. So why do you think? And you might think to seek and to save the lost. You might think to die on the cross for me. You might think to heal and to restore people, and you'd be right if you thought all those things. But consider what Jesus said to Pilate right before his crucifixion. Pilate asked, so you are a king. And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. What a glorious purpose for the Son of God to come to tell the truth. The Son of God was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary to bear witness to the truth. And people of the truth, they listen to him. Everything that he says, they bow and submit themselves to him and his word. So let me ask you a question. Has God ever deceived or defamed you? Ever. God can't hurt you by deceit and defamation because God is the truth, God loves the truth, God is love, and God loves you. And when his love is poured into you through the Holy Spirit of truth who dwells within you, you don't want to hurt others by deceit and defamation. You want to love them with the truth. Let me transition to the next point like this. The ninth commandment communicates the holiness and righteousness of God. God always speaks the truth. So when God says, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, he's not telling you to do something that he is not already doing perfectly. He's he's not telling you to do something to, to love in a certain way, to love your neighbor in this way, that he is not already loving you perfectly in that way. Human beings were created in the image of God. That's a phrase we really have to get clear in our minds, created in the image of God, in true righteousness and holiness, to do what? To imitate their God. The big lie didn't start with Hitler, it started with a serpent in the garden. All the problems began for Adam and Eve when they failed to imitate their truthful God and exchanged the truth for a lie. And with the sentence of death upon them, God gave Adam and Eve gospel to the, to the deceptive serpent. God said, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And God kept his promise. The truth came into the world in human flesh and crushed the head of the deceiver. You have lied. I have lied. You have slandered. I have slandered. You have gossiped, I have gossiped. Fret not, dear ones, do not despair, do not be afraid. For the truth came into the world and crushed the head of the deceiver so that you and I would be saved, set free, and sanctified by the truth to love and walk in the truth. The gospel of a crucified and risen Christ frees you, liberates you, opens you up to seek, believe, and love the truth, and it heartens you. It excites you to speak the truth as well. Next, and this is a hopeful point, God provides you everything you need in Christ to be a truthful person. In his high priestly prayer, Jesus asked his father on behalf of his beloved disciples, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. The truth sanctifies us. The truth changes us the truth conforms us to Christ who is the truth. And as we abide in God's truthful word, God sanctifies us. And notice that Jesus said that he consecrates himself so that his disciples might be sanctified in truth. Jesus set set aside himself to be completely devoted to God on behalf of his people, because he set himself apart for the work of redemption through sacrifice, he is the means by which we are sanctified in the truth. One source said, quote, truth is the means by which holiness is obtained. Error and deception are basic to evil, and truth is basic to godliness. You can't be godly without the truth. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 is the good news of what God has provided you in Christ. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your uh, salvation, and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of your inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Now that explains what God did for you in Christ. You heard the word of truth preached to you and through it, God saved you. Saved you from your sins. The Holy Spirit worked faith in your heart by the truth of the gospel and you were then sealed with the promise, Holy Spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit of truth is your guarantee of your eternal inheritance. Your salvation, beloved brothers and sisters, is secure in Christ not in your performance, not in your good works, not in your fruit, in Christ alone. He is your security. Your salvation is secure in Christ and because you are secure and because the Holy Spirit of truth is living and working in you, you have what you need to seek, believe, and love the truth. The Holy Spirit of truth leads you in the truth and helps you speak confess the truth and do whatever you possibly can, which is very difficult sometimes, to defend and promote your neighbor's honor and reputation, especially if they're one of those people, if you know what I'm saying. Now, I have a a great time coaching the Manheim Christian Day School's girls basketball team. Uh, This year, I coached last year, Maria's on the team, Uh, very exciting to watch my little girl play, And uh, we didn't have tryouts, folks. We didn't have tryouts. Every girl came. Every girl was on the team. We began practices. The girls learned skills and, and plays and really how to work together, how to gel together as a team. And each girl got a uniform with a special and a unique number identifying them with the team in a special, official way. Every girl has a role on our team. Well, imagine that one of the girls has a really awful game, not just terrible. Maybe we lose because she did something awful. And so she's really discouraged and she doubts that her team wants her on the team. And she forgets that she's on the roster, she forgets how she's still learning. She forgets that that she has come so far and made progress and she forgets how she is still progressing as a player and she doesn't look at the uniform with the special number that's sitting in her drawer. She doesn't even look at that. She doesn't remember that she's wanted, that she has a place, that she needs to be part of what the team does. She forgets. How might her thinking influence her actions? well, she might stop coming to practice. She, she may not dress in her uniform and come to the game. She may not actually keep working on her skills so that she can uh, do, do better and improve and, and, and help her team more. Why would she do those things? Her discouragement is preventing her from remembering she's an important part of the team. Her bad performance did not remove her from the team. She must come back and she must continue to learn and to contribute with her team. If you forget who you are in Christ, if if you forget that you belong to Christ, body and soul, if you forget your baptism and what it signifies and seals for you, you will not hear the Ten Commandments as encouragement. It'll just wipe you out. They they will just seem like big, discouraging, depressing burdens because you're forgetting the gospel. If a basketball player primarily now, primarily focuses on everything that she does wrong, it's paralyzing. It'll shut her down. She will not progress or really be much use to the team. She'll be just so tentative all the time. She must learn, though, what she does wrong, right? In order to progress and, and, and uh, become a better player. Of course, that's true, but she must focus on her unchangeable status as a member of the team. And maybe this is self serving, she must focus on what her coach says. Do what he says on the court and we will have a much better chance of beating Veritas. I mean, I probably shouldn't have said that. All right. All right. So, So she'll progress if she listens because the coach loves and wants to see his players progress. And so he has to say don't. He has to say do. Don't shoot with two hands, for Pete's sake. Don't pass the ball if she's not open. Don't just run with the ball. And also, take good shots. Box out and jump for rebounds. Make good passes to open teammates. If you forget who Christ is for you and who you are in Christ, the law will sound so critical, so harsh, so demanding And be such a big burden for you because your focus is in the wrong place. For you to hear the goodness and love of the law, the joy and encouragement of the law, you must remember who you are in Christ and who is speaking to you through the law. Whose law is it? It's your Father's law, it's God's law. He's talking to you through it. When you are confident in your union with Christ, confident in your status as a child of God, you can hear the law and not be discouraged, but be heartened and inspired. When you are confident that you belong to Christ, the law is blessing, not burden, love, not load. According to Jesus in John 8, true disciples abide in his word. They know the truth, and the truth sets them free. Free, truth is freeing, it's liberating. Be comforted by this good news. The word of Christ has set you free. The truth sets you free. In Christ, you are set free from deceit and defamation. And you have been set free to bear witness to the truth. So it is your inseparable union with Christ by the grace of God, through faith given to you that you've received from, from God, by the Holy Spirit working it in, in you, and that positions you to be a truthful person. That union with Christ, the truth, positions you to be a truthful person. Listen to what the Apostle Peter said in 1 Peter 1, 23. This is very important. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, For a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Because you have been born again through the living and abiding truth of God's word, love one another from a pure heart. And part of that loving one another from a pure heart is speaking the truth to one another. Truthfulness. It's speaking the truth, it's confessing the truth honestly and it's also defending and promoting your neighbor's honor and reputation. Not bringing it down, not trying to slander. You obey the ninth since you have been born again. That's gospel first. And then the good works follow. God provides you everything you need in Christ to be a truthful person. Now, we sometimes play hockey in our basement, not ice hockey, just floor, deck hockey, whatever you want to call it. And uh, there are also toys in the basement. And so if we don't put the toys away first, the hockey game is honestly not that much fun. Okay, you go to score and you end up tripping on a plastic lightsaber. I mean, that's not what we're aiming for here, folks. We want clear play. First, put away the toys. Then play hockey on the open floor. Ephesians 4.25 says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. As Christians, we are united to Christ and we are united to one another. We're truly a family. We're one body, the body of Christ. Therefore, we must speak the truth with one another precisely because we are members one of another. You speak the truth because of whose you are. You speak the truth because of who you are. You speak the truth because of who your family members are. Scripture refers to God's people in various ways, a flock of sheep. Uh, A bride, a family, a priesthood, a covenant people, a household, lots of things. And scripture also calls the people of God the church of the living God. The church of the living God. Brothers and sisters, along with every single believer throughout history, we are the church of the living God. And it is very interesting that in 1 Timothy 3.15, Paul refers to the church of the living God as a pillar and buttress of the truth. A pillar and buttress of the truth. We are a pillar and buttress of the truth. Now, what on earth does that mean? Well, as members of Christ and as members one of another, we uphold and we support the truth. We present the truth to the world. The, The church does that. This refers to the gospel truth of Jesus Christ. We uphold, support, and proclaim to the world the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, but it must include also bearing witness to all truth. How could we bear witness to the truth of Christ and the gospel without also bearing witness in the smaller things and telling the truth? That wouldn't make sense. Bear the witness of Christ, yes, truthfully, but over here we're okay lying to everybody, That just would make no sense. It's because we uphold and support gospel truth that we bear testimony to all truth. The ninth says, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Well, sometimes you do. Sometimes you do. What's going to give you comfort seeing that you often break the ninth? What's going to give you confidence as you wrestle with that, that you can be a truthful and an encouraging person? It's not trying harder. It's not, man, I gotta get this. I just feel, I'm I'm gonna gonna work on this this week. I'm I'm gonna nail it. I'm going to do this. I got this. No, it's trusting Christ more. It's trusting Christ. It's you depending on Christ for grace. It's you remembering who you are in Christ as you remember who Christ is and what Christ has done for you. And as you remember that you belong to Christ's body and soul, you will have a much harder time deceiving and defaming your neighbor. So if you're busy studying for an exam, I'm just shoot it straight with your students. You cannot also be busy playing video games, Okay? If you're busy cleaning your garage, you can't also be busy washing your car. If you're busy getting groceries, you can't also be busy shopping for new clothes. If you're busy telling the truth, you can't also be busy spreading lies, slandering and defaming your neighbor. Saints, let us busy ourselves with telling the truth and encouraging one another. There was some encouragement going on this week and we need it, I need it encouragement. We don't have time to deceive. We don't have time to defame. We must encourage. We must tell the truth. So then, those who love the truth deeply desire for the truth to teach, lead, and shape them. When you love the truth, you want it to shape your life to dictate what you do, how you live, Psalm 25, verses four and five, it expresses the heart of a true believer. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Do you get that heart? Teach me, lead me, give me truth. Balance my mind out, I'm going crazy here. I need something true. Give it to me. Teach me, train me, correct me, rebuke me. Just get me to where you want me, in my thoughts, in my heart, in my actions. This is extremely important. A truthful person wants the truth of God's word to teach and shape them, to direct them, to correct them, and to inform their speech. Psalm 43, 3 and 4 say this, send out your light and your truth, let them lead me, let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling, then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God my God. Where does the light and truth of God lead you? Where is it getting you? If you want it to lead, if you're submitting to it, where do you expect the truth to take you? To God, you're exceeding joy. The, the way to avoid deceit and defamation is to follow God's light, to follow God's truth into exceeding joy in God. Psalm 86, verse 11 says, Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Why do you want to be here on Sundays? Why would you do that? Is it not to be taught by God? Is it not to be rebuked by God, corrected by God, encouraged by God? And why do you want to learn God's word? Why do you want to hear his gospel? Why do you want to hear his law? Why is law and gospel teaching good for you? Why, 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 why? Your answer should be Psalm 86, 11, that I may walk in your truth. This 10 Commandments series, it has brought up some difficult topics for Jerusalem church. So let me ask, do you want to know what the 10 Commandments actually mean? And if you're quick to say, yes, I want to know what the commandments actually mean, why? Why do you want to know? Your answer should be, I want to know what the Ten Commandments actually mean. Because I want to walk in the truth of my God. I want him to direct me in his ways, not my own ways. I know where my ways lead. I want his ways. And that's why I need to be here. That's why I need his law. That's why I need his gospel. That's why I need his truth. This is very, very important. You should long for the truth of God to direct you in how to live, how to love, how to do church, how to worship God. We take our cues from him, not our personal opinions. Tradition shouldn't lead you. Preferences shouldn't lead you. Trends shouldn't lead you. Truth must lead you. Truth. You should want God to teach and correct you, not so that you can sound smart in catechism class, meet with your friends and have all of the right answers. None of us have those, not all the right answers, but that you may walk in the Lord's truth. Our church is being tested by this right now. Will we submit to God's truth? Do we really love truth? I mean, we can say we do, but are we submitting to it? Do we want it to shape us? The psalmist said with deep heart conviction, I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. I will lift up my hands toward your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Don't you delight in God's 10 commandments? Don't you love them? Aren't you meditating on his law because you love truth? And don't you want the truth to teach and lead and shape you? Now, I have spent a good bit of time, folks, laying a good foundation for you to hear the ninth with the gospel in mind. If you don't, I feel like it's not on me. I'm trying hard to give you Christ. Christ. So the Ten Commandments are glorious to you. So let me cut to the chase. What is the ninth telling you to do? What are you to put on? What are you to pursue? How are you to love people? And I think the answer should be quite obvious at this point. Lastly, love of the truth in the heart is expressed by loving words from the mouth. Love of truth in the heart is expressed by loving words from the mouth. When love for the truth is in your heart, it will inevitably spill over from your mouth. People who seek, believe, and love the truth are truthful people. They bear witness, true witness, in court. And everywhere they go, they tell the truth because they love the truth and they want to speak it and they esteem their neighbors highly enough to preserve and to promote their good reputation as much as they can. If you love the truth, you want to tell the truth even in those small, tiny, little details. I was listening to a podcast today, and I wasn't, or not today, but uh, this week, wasn't paying super close attention, but the guy later on in the podcast interview corrected something very small. He was one year off, said it probably innocently, but said, I, I, I need to, to put that in there just to, to make sure that it's small things. Truthfulness, as, as best that we can. Um, it spills over when it's in the heart to bear truthful witness everywhere. And when you don't bear truthful witness, it bothers you. You, you will want to make it right. Right. Truth is better than exaggeration. Truth is better than underestimation. Truth is better than embellishment. Blowing things out of proportion. Making a mountain out of a molehill. Remaining silent in the face of injustice when we must speak up. Truth is better. Obeying the ninth. Just some real moments here as as I bring this to a close. Obeying the ninth can be scary. Really scary. For Christians, scary scary. And we have to face things. We we have to believe certain things. We have to say certain things. And we have to do certain scary things. Sometimes fear leads us to compromise the truth. We just don't want to be the center of attention. So it's better if we just bow out of this thing. Sometimes fear, sometimes anger, sometimes Greed, sometimes lust, sometimes covetousness and the like lead us to compromise the truth. But if we love the truth, we will love the sound of the gospel in which we find the truth of God's mercy, the truth of God's grace, the truth of God's love in Christ. The children's catechism asks, what does the ninth commandment tell us to do? That's a good question. Well, what, How do we answer? And it gives a simple answer, always to tell the truth. Always to tell the truth. That's the ninth commandment in a nutshell, but that's probably too simplistic. We probably should say a little bit more. We cannot forget that the ninth includes promoting and protecting the good name of others. Martin Luther was right to say in his large catechism, quote, thus we have now the sum and general understanding of this commandment to wit, that no one do any injury with the tongue to his neighbor, whether friend or foe nor speak evil of him, no matter whether it be true or false, unless it be done by commandment or for his reformation, but that everyone employ his tongue and make it serve for the best of everyone else to cover up his neighbor's sins and infirmities, excuse them, palliate, and garnish them with his own reputation. Proverbs 12, 17 says, whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence. Proverbs 14.25 says a truthful witness saves lives. When anger fills the heart, murder is natural. When lust fills the heart, adultery is natural. When covetousness fills the heart, theft is natural. When love of the truth fills the heart, telling the truth is natural. We need God to pour into our hearts through his Holy Spirit of truth a love for the truth and as he does, we will become more and more and more truthful. Matthew Henry, the great Puritan commentator, said, quote, truth is that by which the heart must be guided and governed. For without truth, there is no goodness. No regular practices without right principles. Truth is that by which the heart must be guided and governed. For without truth, there is no goodness no regular practices without right principles. We will do nothing right until we have a deep love of the truth. There is no goodness without the truth. Dear ones, let us seek, believe, and love the truth so much that it influences our words, the words that come out of our mouths.